Jody Finkabwala, and this is day one from the Miller Entrepreneurship Center at William & Mary. Thank you for joining us for our podcast, where we give you a glimpse into the day in the life of some alumni founders doing incredible work and living meaningful, connected lives. Welcome back to a brand new season of day one. I'm so excited for all the amazing conversations we're yet to have. This season, we'll be hearing the unique stories of generations of leading female entrepreneurs, dive deeper with two alumni who are bringing equity and global perspective to the forefront of education, and so much more. Today, we welcome Brandon Polk as our very first guest. Brandon Polk is a social worker, innovator, and artist. He graduated from William & Mary with a degree in theater and a minor in music. After leaving the Berg, Brandon earned his master's in social work from George Mason University and worked to provide therapeutic services to underserved children, teens, and families in multiple settings. He has also provided consulting services to organizations such as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission. In 2013, Brandon translated his deep, meaningful expertise into founding Arrowhead Advising, a counseling, coaching, and consulting firm that takes a holistic, creative approach to empowering individuals and organizations to be their most present, passionate, and powerful. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us um, on this podcast. I'm so excited that you are our first guest. Our first question that we always ask is, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Sonia, it's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, I love this question. And I'm going to surprise some people, maybe people that don't know me, not the people that do know me, that when I wanted, uh, or what I wanted to be the most when I grew up, I'll give you maybe three answers. One was I wanted to be Spider-Man. That was number one. It's my favorite superhero character still is to this day. Spider-Man and Superman, it was a toss up. Uh, number two, I wanted to be a psychologist. And number three, I wanted to be a rock star, a singing super heavy metal rock star. I didn't want to be like an R&B or like ballad artist. I wanted to for whatever reason, wanted to rock out. And I really didn't have an affinity for rock music in that way. Though we were very eclectic growing up. I don't know why I thought that was what I wanted to be. That seemed very attractive to be like Aerosmith or someone like that, you know, just really going hard. So those three things between Spider-Man, a psychologist and a rock star of some kind, a musical singing crazy, swinging from the chandelier rock star, put all those things together. And that's fundamentally what I ended up becoming, I think, <laughs> in some ways, <laughs> minus the rock star bit where people recognize me for that. But I did uh, end up doing a lot with music in, in life, which was awesome. So love that. Yeah, that was something I definitely noticed when I was um, going through your bio and the things that you've done. Um, music and theater and the arts seem to be a really strong undercurrent. Um, and I'd love to explore that more when you walk us through a day in your life and just go through, you know, morning, afternoon, night, um, any routines you may have. Um, I know it's a little different right now because of COVID. Yeah, a day, you're right, that it's a little different now. I mean, that a day in the life for Brandon Polk now is wake up early in the morning and then sit on Zoom calls until <laughs> the evening. <laughs> so it's, you know, 12 hours, you know, of really just being face-to-face with a computer and having to remind myself that I haven't had human interaction for a while. So um, 
with that in mind, I'm going to go backwards sort of pre-pandemic a little bit and sort of tell you what the day in the life is a little bit for me is, uh, you know, I like to get up and pray a lot. I pray, I read my Bible a ton. I go to the gym a ton. It was sort of in that order, pray, read the Bible, go to the gym, those kinds of things, you know, that I have learned to formulate a plan around, though I do not do them as efficiently as I would like to, right? But in my ideal world, that's what I'm doing every day. And I'm about 30, 40, 50% accuracy on doing those, that, that part of the early, early routine. And coming back from the gym and having oatmeal, you know, apples and cinnamon, oatmeal, that's my thing, you know, Quaker Oats, you know what I mean? That's what we grew up on. And so we're continuing to do that. I've matriculated beyond Fruit Loops and Captain Crunch, and now I'm just trying to stay healthy and get get away from all the sugar. So I'm just doing apples and cinnamon, 130 calorie packets, you know, of oatmeal. And then, uh, you know, then I'll get on get on the computer and start, you know, doing things. There, there, there wasn't a lot that's so different be, between pre-pandemic and now in that sense. It's either getting on the computer and doing Zoom sessions, therapy sessions, or coaching sessions, or getting um, into calls to speak with some of the clients that we have about what it is that they want to do and how we're going to get there. So the diversity of some of the projects, I, I could literally be working with a single mother on, in one hour and then working with the business executive the next. I mean, it's, um, or working on with someone on Capitol Hill in that very next hour. So it's, there's so much variety. And then there's just the things that have to get done in the CEO world, right? You have to Look at your finances, look at your bottom line. You have to do staff engagement, staff improvement, professional development, all those kinds of things and develop programs for that. Building capability so that my business grows and it expands and we're able to reach more people and help more people, not just uh, in our in what we can see, but in ways in which we can't see yet, right? So um, trying to project out is, is high-level vision work that I need time to do. And um, so I, I would take, you know, at least a little bit of space every day. I call it the space of infinite possibility. And every day, uh, maybe several times a day, just depending on what the flow is, I actually have a blank sheet of paper out where I uh, take the space of infinite possibility and I write anything down on it in terms of thoughts and ideas, um, anything creative or not so creative, um, anything I'm anxious about or worried about. Uh, and I turn that into an opportunity, turn that piece of paper into an opportunity to create something, to imagine what the world could be like if I could change certain things or if I could be a certain person, if I could flex a certain muscle or a certain superpower, then uh, I'm putting that down in, in a space where I can really meditate on it and maybe even create it. So a lot of what Arrowhead Advising is today has come from spaces of infinite possibility that I've shared by myself in my own time or spaces of infinite possibility that I have shared with people who are collaborative and were willing to work on things with me. And I would borrow their time and they would make things happen. They would develop things, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, a, really, it's a really interesting thing, but that's one of the core things that I love to put into my day every day. The meditation at the beginning, the apples and cinnamon, um, Oatmeal is a key component there for the brain and then spaces of infinite possibility that I would encourage everyone to take part in all three of those, all four of those. 
I love that, Brandon. I think so many times we can get stuck in a routine, a rigid routine, especially when we're in one place in our home, on our computer, in one setting, um, in one application, in Zoom. Um, so it gets so rigid. Um, and I love that you create that space. And I can see that connection between um, you kind of honing in on your individual values, the possibility for you, um, and that connection to how you create that high level vision work, as you said, for your company, for Airhead Advising. Um, are there other ways throughout your day that you see your core values represented? Um, and what are those core values? Yeah, it's a great question, Sonia. I mean, if, if I were to take you back to the very beginning, you know, when I started working as a social worker, gosh, it's been so many years now as a um, young whippersnapper in my early 20s, probably. I was working with kids, working with families. I worked at a mental hospital for children first, which was interesting. And then moved to Washington, DC at a certain point and started to work with kids and families in some of the hardest neighborhoods in DC and really became frustrated after a while, recognizing that there just weren't enough people like me, not me, but just a we, we just didn't have the numbers necessary to meet the need for kids and families who were trying to navigate through really complex, complicated systems to make their lives better. So I did what all DC people do at a certain point, you go into a contracting job, right? So I became a consultant for, uh, for the government and learned quickly that Government also does not have all the answers that we need. It cannot also, it also has difficulty scaling, right? Maybe has some great ideas some, sometimes, but doesn't have all of the needed tools and resources to scale in ways in which kids and families and people that are trying to live better lives are able to access. So to get to your question about values, my values were, were, were pretty simple in that I believe in serving your neighbor, loving your neighbor as you love yourself and putting myself in a situation where I was confronted daily with people who um, I, I had to really confront if I could help them or, or not, or how I can help them achieve their goals and uh, reach their potential and recognize that it couldn't be just me. So everything about what I, what I do every day is about three things triaging the most important and pressing needs for myself and for the people that are working for me, the people that are working with me, for the clients that we have at Arrowhead, we help them to triage their most important needs. Number two is that we're helping them to see that they are the CEOs, they are the leaders of their own lives. So the word is empowering and, and then listening uh, to what they have to say about what their needs are and what's most important to them. Being very, very diligent to make sure that everyone on our team is listening and then empowering. And what empowerment is, is not just recognizing the problem or the issue that comes from an external place or an external barrier. Oftentimes they are the barriers that are, that are internal, real trauma, things of that sort, or real external barriers like governmental systems sometimes can, can be a barrier. But ultimately what empowerment gets to is how can we take responsibility individually and advocate for ourselves 
and gain resources, gain tools for how we can navigate through these complex systems and then become the best people that, that we're meant to be. And that leads me to the third value here, which is um, about uh, be, becoming your most passionate, present and powerful self, right? And it's important for each person to have something in their lives that they're, that they're going after with passion, something that, that they're going after with presence and presence is being able to be in the moment that you're in and find such value and gratitude in the moment and not be looking towards the future so much that you don't see what's right in front of you. And that includes people, friends, family, uh, coworkers, whatever it is, the project needs to have value to you. So to be passionate, to be present, and then to be powerful is to be able to um, have agency, to feel like you can create change in the world. And so we want everyone to feel that way because I want to feel that way in my life. And I'm making a pretty big assumption that most people are feeling that way. If you've listened to um, some of the folks uh, that are experts out here, like Brene Brown or Michael Singer, some of the folks that are really powerful names, right? That um, they will say, and I do agree that uh, we are hardwired in a neurobiological sense for love, connection, and belonging, right? And we all want to feel that. Uh, but we have to go through this process of triaging our most important needs, learning that we are worth being listened to and empowered to make a difference. And then we need to become that thing through empowerment, right? To be our most passionate, present and powerful selves. So those are my values. I live those things out every day by making sure that I don't live in a silo. I have community around me. I always make sure I have people that are always gonna call me on my garbage and uh, people that are gonna work with me that are being collaborative and people that are humble, that have humility and integrity and are really seeking to drive good character and to be ethical in whatever it is that they're doing, not just in their professional lives, but in their personal lives. My grandmother would always say to me, she goes, and, and my mom would say this too, show, show me your friends, I'll show you your future kind of stuff, right? And I think that's really important when it comes to not just building business, right? But also building a, a life that is integrated with your business in a way in terms of your values, but doesn't uh, take over or define the whole of what you're wanting to be and, and who you are in the world. So for anyone listening, you know, who's thinking about starting a business or being an entrepreneur, of course, you want to think about values, guiding principles, ethics, you know, what's the way that you want to show up in the world as a leader? And it's really easy to go faster than what we're ready to do as entrepreneurs. You have to be okay with starting slower and making sure that the integrity and the character of who we say we wanna be is gonna keep up with our productivity. And that takes a lot of help and a lot of support it takes a village because I am very fast and wanna create so much, wanna create so, so many products. And then people are like, you know, my, my closest friends, like you don't have the character for that yet. You're gonna come apart at, at the seams. So it's really important that you learn how to uh, take your time and build on principle and don't just build uh, for the bottom line of higher revenue. Hi there. You're listening to Day One from the Miller Entrepreneurship Center at William & Mary. If you love Day One, you'll love Alumni Founder Series, a virtual event from the Miller Entrepreneurship Center where you can learn about an alum's journey from the bricks of William & Mary to launching their own venture. To learn more and mark your Google calendars for the next AFS, find us on Instagram or at millerec.com.
live in a space where you believe that things are better together than apart, that we can bring the world of the individual, the world of the business, um, the world of community and friends and family together, and that they're all guided by the same core values. Um, and I'm wondering how, where did this perspective come from? Is it something that you've developed over time as you've you know, been in different worlds, first in the therapeutic world, then consulting, um, government consulting, things like that? Um, how did that perspective develop and what meaning do you think it has for anywhere that we go in the future as an individual or as a society? Yeah, uh, trial and error, I think. <laughs> That's where I learned it. Um, you know, we live in a very self-preserving, self-protecting world. We live in a very um, polarizing world that makes us want to want to armor ourselves from connection and for mutual responsibility um, for the world that we live in. And, you know, the whole theory behind Arrowhead Advising goes a step beyond counseling. We acknowledge that most people, everyone's got something, you know, that we're navigating through internally. Doesn't necessarily mean everyone has to go to a counselor, right? I think that to be therapeutic, you can do that in the context of your friendships or in context of family, healthy relationships can be therapeutic. Healthy experiences can be therapeutic. You don't have to come to Arrowhead for a healthy experience alone. You know, you should be able to build those things out in, in your life. But something's happened in the last, you know, 20, 30 years, really with the advent of social media and the way that, you know, our tech is growing at the fast pace in which it is, you know, when the, when the world of technology technological advancement was really happening, we were building technology for us, for our productivity, right? Now, the technology is, it, this is this whole concept of like, our character isn't ready as a society for the, the, the deluge of technological product where we have to make ethical decisions every day about how we're gonna connect with one another. So we couldn't see around the corner of what social media was gonna do to us and the character that it was that was going to be required to navigate through this system well. So as a result, cancel culture, you know, those those kinds of things have have thrived in an online context. Um, the extremism that people are talking about today has thrived in an online context. And we have been more polarized as a country when these things were created allegedly to help us connect. So what I'm seeing is that we have to thread the needle between our interpersonal challenges, our insecurities, and our own personal um, and like societal or sort of responsibility of citizenry, right? Of, of, of being a, a, a global citizen to what the world is, is, is going to be like in, in present time and what the world is going to be like um, when we pass it down to our children and our children's children. So to me, I just realized I'm just, just like I said before, I can't do this as one person. I know a handful of people that have this idea in, the, in this way of thinking and, and really care about the world in this way and really attempt to see around corners. And the reality is that we need to comport a lot of what we're thinking and a lot of what we're feeling as an ethos, as a body in, into other people that are in our sphere of influence. So that's really what it comes down to is that we move people from being afraid of themselves <laughs> and afraid from other people to 
seeing that when they know whom they are, when they are more confident in their identities and self-accepting, not of some weird supernatural, I have to be this perfect person kind of thing, but you are a human and being ordinary is such an extraordinary thing to be in this time. And if an ordinary person who can accept the, the confines, the restrictions, the uh, playpen of his or her own life and see it with an objectivity, then they can learn how to take what they have and leverage it for the benefit of, of where they are, of all the people that are in their sphere, and then grow, not out of it, but grow into it and expand it and expand that influence in a way where we eventually cover the entire world with a body of knowledge and of influence and, and, and a care for one another that actually takes care of, of some of the most challenging, the most intractable problems that we're experiencing in our, in our culture, in our world today. So whether that's racism, whether that's political extremism, whether that's being a single mom and you don't know how to get mental health services for your child, right? I mean, those kinds of things are so important um, for all of us to take responsibility for as a global community, uh, as a national community, and we've been trying to do that and embed and spread those, those types of beliefs all over the world. Um, uh, people that we're working with in countries like Bogota or in Brussels or, you know, uh, and in the US, <laughs> definitely, right? You know, uh, or in China, you know, uh, it's just such a weird turn of events for our, for our business that we just feel like was such a mistake on my part. I didn't plan on doing this. <laughs> I didn't plan on building this kind of business, but um, or building a business at all. They don't teach you how to do business in social work school. You know, it's not on the agenda primarily. But uh, what's what's happened is is something more that people um, who have a healthy environment will will, will have healthy impacts um, and create healthy impact and and long lasting and sustainable impact in in the world around them. And so in a we believe that keep going for another 10 years, maybe we'll, we'll see um, so, so many things change and so many people have agency and a lot of problems, you know, that are really uh, getting people stuck and wrapped around axles, you know, will um, give tools and resources and, and hope, honestly, a lot of hope that, that things can change and we won't be disappointed. So maybe that's me being an, an overly optimist person, but I'd much rather live there <laughs> than to live in a more pessimistic frame of mind. I completely agree. And I love that perspective of, you know, growing into yourself and nourishing yourself um, and, and the world around you as well, as opposed to coming from, you know, just a perspective of scarcity and, you know, which is valid in a lot of ways, but also um, I think often people don't recognize the amazing power they have um, just in being themselves and, and understanding themselves and their own experiences. So thank you for that. Um, we always love to end our podcast with this question, um, which kind of harkens back to the beginning of our conversation. Uh, if you could go back and tell that kid who wanted to be Spider-Man or Rockstar, um, one thing, what would it be? Hmm. That was eight-year-old Brandon. So let's see, running around in my Spider-Man costume, uh, or maybe I was five. I was, I was young. My mom could tell you how old I was when I was in that Spider-Man costume for Halloween. What would I tell that person? I think I would tell that person to do something excruciatingly vulnerable and courageous every day. 
And in, in doing so, you'll learn how to be grateful for the things you have, to never take it for granted, never take people in your life for granted. You'll learn to not be as entitled and thinking that the things that we have, you deserve. And I think lastly, we just learn how to spiritualize our lives in a way where we have an honest conversation about our origin. What I mean about being spiritual is not a particular faith tradition. I mean, how important it is to be curious about my origin as a person. Like, where does my humanity even come from? How did I show up? Why did I show up? What do I do with the knowledge of the fact that I'm here? And recognizing that the time is short. It's a relatively short period of time in the history of the world, you know, for one of us, you know, to, to, to live and we could all, you know, die at any time, depending on what's going on, circumstances, right? We're all facing that in the context of this pandemic and other social cultural things going on, right? We're all thinking or contemplating. What does it mean to be alive right now? And what value am I creating? It's much easier, you know, for, um, you know, people who are overachievers, you know, to get stuck in their identity thinking I have to achieve in order for me to find value or, or, or to be valuable like the world. And so now it's just, we have to have a different approach to that and see that our value is inherent to our existence. And with that existence, this is a very, this is a very Spider-Man appropriate thing, right? You know, that with great power comes great responsibility, right? And that power is actually embedded into our existence, not only embedded into what we do, right? Or how we choose to live our lives vocationally. Um, but instead we can make awesome choices from uh, an amazing place of, of resonant understanding of how important and value I am because I'm just here. That's what I would say. Brandon, Brene Brown, Poke, everybody um, on the podcast today. Um, yes. <laughs> I'm so grateful um, to be able to talk with you, Brandon. It was really wonderful to meet you um, and hear a little bit about a day in your life and a little bit about the deeper things too. Um, so thank you to bringing that, um, for bringing that to me and for bringing that to our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us for our conversation with Brandon. Personally, his insights on recognizing our inherent value and integrating that into all that we do and all that we are resonated deeply with me. I hope you too found something meaningful and inspirational for this unusual semester in his words. Please see the link in the show notes to share your thoughts and questions with us, as well as suggestions for future episodes. Please take care of yourselves during these crazy times, stay warm, and remember to make today day one. <laughs>